Are we ready for the Word of God? Come on. You ready for the Word this morning? Okay, good. Let's go to John chapter 14, verses 8 and verse 9. John 14, verses 8 and verse 9. Okay, the scriptures are up there. Let's bow our heads in prayer before we begin. Father, once again, we ask that you would be pleased to glorify your Son through the power of the Holy Spirit. We invite your presence, God, more than anything else. This is not just a talk time. This is not a seminar kind of a thing. This is a time where we listen to you speak to our hearts individually. Different ones have walked into the service with different needs, different burdens. But we thank you that you are here in a special way to meet each one of us. You are a good and a wonderful God. And we are so blessed and privileged to be able to enter into your presence. Bless the reading of your word and also the word today. Be with my mouth as I speak to your people. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. John chapter 14, verse 8 and verse 9. Philip said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father and then we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, if I've been with you so long a time and you do not know me yet, Philip, nor do you recognize clearly who I am, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you then say, show us the Father? Now, until this point of time, the Jews, because you understand that the Bible is basically written to the Jews, and then later on, the New Testament came into being and the Gentiles came to uh, find the Lord. But it is more of a Jewish book. And you need to understand the background to this because until this point of time, nobody knew God, at least to the people of God. The people of God did not know him in the way Jesus was now introducing him. For a long time, they knew him as great God, mighty God, almighty God, creator of the heavens and the earth. And you got all the names that are associated with him. Now, by the way, I'm supposed to speak sometime in June. I think we are going to Australia. And they gave me a topic. And they said, talk about, you know, the Lord, my shepherd. Now, it is interesting to know that God did not give himself any of the names. We say, you know, God's name is Jehovah Shitkino, Jehovah Shama, Jehovah Shalom, all this thing. God did not give himself those names. There's only one time where he gave himself a name, and that is, I am the Lord that heals you, Jehovah Rapha. But apart from that, every other name that we see written, all the names that we talk about, the names of God, are not actually the names that God gave himself, but the names by which people knew him. In other words, when they had an experience with him, they gave him a name. Come on, amen. So David calls God my shield, my deliverer, my fortress. Under the shadow of his wings will I hide. He is the glory and the lifter up of my head. All these are experiences they had with God and therefore they gave God a name because God does not need a name. He is God. I think you heard the message last Sunday, God being all sufficient one, right? Is that the message you heard? How many of you were here last Sunday? Three of you. <laughs> Did you hear the message? The all-sufficient one. That's who God is. So God does not really need a name. 
but He gives, He allows us to give Him names as we experience Him moment by moment. So now they come to a place where they have known Him as the God of the armies of Israel, the, the mighty God, the, you know, the God who stretched forth the heavens. They know Him as this great big creator God. And therefore, we have to bow and obey Him. Therefore, all the commandments that God has given to us, we must obey Him because He is the Creator and we are the created beings. That has not stopped. We are still the created beings and we need to obey the Creator God. Say amen. But now, for the first time, as Jesus began to minister to the people, He taught them to pray a prayer. What's the name of the prayer? We call it the Lord's Prayer. How does it begin? Our Father. So now they are introduced to God as being the Father. So what are they asking? What is Philip asking for? He's saying, God, Jesus, show us the heart of the Father. What is the Father like? How, how is this God our Father? Reveal this to us and listen to this. When we know the heart of the Father, when we understand who He is, and what his heart is like, we will become satisfied. Apart from that, we will never find satisfaction. You can keep searching and searching and searching to know God, but you will never really know him until you understand his heart, until you understand that God desires to be a father to us. Come on, amen. That he is our loving Heavenly Father. So show us the Father. Let us know His heart. And once we know Him in the way you know Him, let us know Him the way you know Him because when we know Him the way you know Him, we will become satisfied. For nothing satisfies us, God. We keep searching, we keep following, we keep listening to all the teachings, but nothing seems to satisfy. But somehow we look at you, Jesus, and you seem to be totally in control. You seem to be at rest. Even when the storms are raging, you can sleep. You seem to be rested. You seem to be so satisfied. Nothing ruffles your feathers, Lord. Show us the Father so that we too can be satisfied. Amen. So Jesus begins to show them the Father. And Jesus says, He who has seen me has seen the Father. Everything you see about me, how I move, how I act, how I reach out to people, you are actually looking at the Father. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15 says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. I like that one. He is the image of the invisible God. At one time, Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 16. He says, God lives in the unapproachable light. So now, Jesus is saying, listen, you can approach God. He's not unapproachable. Like just now we sang the song, he's just a breath away. He's so close, we cannot even imagine and understand this. See, we have this image of God living in the, in the distance, way out there somewhere. But actually, there's a very thin veil. That's why he designed the tabernacle in such a way where there's a very thin veil where 
it says God makes His appearing. He's actually there, but we just don't see Him. He's just a breath away. And, and He's just there waiting for us to call upon Him and He will make Himself known. He's not in the far distance. We, we, you see, the problem with us is we think of heaven as being something that is way out there, you know, millions and billions of light years away. But no, it's just within reach. The kingdom of God is right there within your hand's reach. Repent, for the kingdom of God is within reach. It's right there. It's right here with us. Come on, say amen. So when we come into church like this, we believe that when we worship Him, He steps in. He doesn't make a long trip to come. We don't have to shout too loud so that He can hear us. He is right here within a whisper away. So now He makes Himself known to us. The first thing He shares uh, with us, we need to know that He is always, whether He's a Father or not, the fa whether He's Almighty God or the Father, He is glorious. He is glorious. So Moses begins to pray in Exodus chapter 33 and verse 18. He says this, Please show me your glory. Show me your glory. And then God begins to go by him and speaks his name. This is my glory, Moses. I am God who is full of compassion. I am a God who is merciful and kind and long-suffering and gentle. And this is who I am. And he reveals his glory. I always quote Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. How many of you remember Ephesians 3.20? That God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or imagine according to the power that works within us, right? I like to read the good news, a uh, good God's Word translation, it says this, Glory belongs to God, whose power is at work in us, and by this power, He can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Glory belongs to God in the church and in Christ Jesus for all time and eternity. Amen. Say amen. The glory of God, the majesty of God, it has to do with His majesty, it has to do uh, with, his, with His power, it has to do with His greatness. This glory belongs in the church and it is found in Jesus. Amplified Bible, 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 6. Now listen to this one. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory and the majesty of God clearly revealed in the face of Jesus. So the more we look into the face of Jesus, the more of the glory we begin to see. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3 says this, The Son of God is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of His very being. Come on, amen. So if we want to know God, we've got to know Jesus. 
So it is, you know, sometimes people say, you know, how can we say Jesus was just an ordinary person? Uh, he was not God. No, he is the exact representation of God. Everything that we want to know about God is found in Jesus. That's why I thank God for the gospel because it puts God in our midst, walking in our midst. The thing about I, the compassion of God is so great when I, when I think about it. It is a compassion for crowds, but it's also compassion for individuals. Right? It's individuals. Whether it's children, little children, whom he will take one by one and place on his lap. Whether it is women, no matter who they are. In fact, there are many of the miracles happen to women. Their names are not mentioned. But it, women who were uh, considered to be, you know, uh, untouchable, he reached out to them. Whether it was men who were sitting by the roadside and begging. I remember, you know, actually I was praying about this one and talking about, Lord, fill my heart with your compassion. A good pastor friend of mine who has gone on to be with the Lord, real father in the faith. Somebody was talking about him and said, you know, this guy is an amazing guy. He would see a man sitting across the road who is drunk and he would cross the road, just stop everything he's doing, cross the road, sit by the side of the man, put his arm around him and talk to him and pray with him. He is just filled with compassion for people. He would always say there... By the grace of God, go I. Because of God's grace of what God has done for me, this is what, you know, I, I'm now a transformed person. So the glory and the grace of God, I'm going to talk about this in just a little while, but this is who Jesus is. He is the embodiment of the character, the entire character, the nature, the, the, glory, the glory of God. No man has seen God at any time. John chapter 1 verse 18. No man has seen God at any time. But God, the only one who is in the Father, has made him known, which is Jesus himself. Only Jesus has made him known. Let me just go quickly to the second one. He is gracious. Everybody say gracious. Psalm 145 and verse 8. The Lord is gracious. Read that scripture with me. Come on. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. Abounding in steadfast love. God is gracious. So Jesus comes along. We're talking about everything that we need is found in Jesus. Jesus comes along. He that has seen me has seen the Father. John chapter 1 verse 14. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen His glory the glory is of the only begotten Son of, God, of, uh, Son of the Father, full of grace. Come on. He is full of grace. Does not just have some grace and His grace uh, runs out, but He is full of grace. All the time reaching out to us. Full of grace and full of truth. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. He said to me, my grace, come on. My grace is what? Show us the Father and it will be sufficient for us. Show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Now, this scripture was given to Paul when he was going through some very, very difficult times. We know that. He prayed three times. This is the apostle. 
And the apostle was going through a very trying, difficult time. Now, if an apostle can go through trying, difficult times, I think you and I will also go through trying and difficult times. We are not exempted from difficult times. But during those difficult times, our response should always be seeking God. God, help me go through this. Or God delivered me. In Paul's case, it was so bad, he didn't say, Lord, help me through this. He said, Lord, deliver me. Take this away from me. I don't want to go through this. This is too painful for me to bear. I cannot take it, Lord. And, and it happened three times, three times. Now, when the Bible talks about three times, it talks about a completion. In other words, they did it again and again and again until they came to a place where there was an answer from heaven. And God answers by saying yes or no. It's still God answering. Come on. We think God's answers must always be yes. But in Paul's case, God said, no, I'm not taking this away from you. This will make you stronger at the end of it. You're going to realize that in your weakness, I am very strong. I can show up and show you how strong I am, Paul, when you realize how weak you are. Those of you who have gone through some very difficult moments understand what I'm talking about. That when you have gone through some very, very trying and difficult moments, that's where God reveals His strength. So He says, my grace is sufficient for you my strength is made perfect in weakness. So grace and strength mean the same thing. God is gracious. He supplies it to us powerfully. Amen. Can I hear an amen? God's grace is His power. My power, my strength is made perfect in weakness. I mean, you've heard this scripture before. But we need to understand who Jesus really is. He bears the fullness of God. He comes, carries with him the fullness of God himself. And he says, in your moment of your greatest weakness, I will come in and give you the strength that you need. Amen. Number three, God is generous. And everybody said, Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. God is able to graciously provide you with everything so that you will always have all you need with plenty to help others too. As the scripture says, he gives generously to the poor and his generosity is everlasting. This is not spirituality. This is talking about very physical provision. Is that right? Read the scripture. So that you cannot give spiritual things over to people. You can only give natural things. So he's talking about how God wants to bless you in every area of your life. Say amen. That you can have all things so that you will be able to give. Why do you receive? So that you can... Oh, you're so quiet this morning. So that you can give. See, we don't give so that we can receive. 
Our problem is we take that scripture and we talk about, or we give because, you know, we, uh, once we, God gives to us, we talk about giving so that we can receive. Give that you might receive. Press down, shaken together, running over. That's true. But the reason why we give is because we have received. You cannot give that which you have not received. So the woman who comes and gives her last two coins received the last two coins and she was willing to part with it. And as a result of which God said, this woman's going to get blessed. Come on, amen? Because of the way she was generous. God is a generous God. Say amen. Generous God. His greatest, you know, Luke chapter 11 talks about us asking and seeking. And then he says this, I am the God of the how much more. How much more? If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father? The greatest form of generosity is John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so loved, he gave. You cannot beat that kind of generosity. Romans chapter 8 verse 28. If God did not spare His only Son, but gave Him up freely, how much more will He not also with His Son give you all things freely? Say amen. And that was the problem the disciples had. So Jesus had to say to them, why are you so anxious about so many things? If I cared for the sparrows, don't I care for you? If I clothe the lilies of the field that are here today, gone tomorrow, don't, don't you think I will clothe you? Why do you bother about your clothing and where you shall live and what you shall eat? If I cared for all these things in the, in the natural, these little things, sparrow is here today, tomorrow it's gone. One of the complaints I have about, uh, with my wife is this, I tell her, it's sad because in my, the place where I'm staying in, there are very few, I hardly see any sparrows. Do you all see sparrows in your place? Do you all know what birds are? I'm getting a bit, I'm getting a bit worried here now. There's a bird called sparrow, in case you don't know. I know you're all familiar with crows. I have a problem with pigeons. Come and nest in my roof. Big problem with pigeons. But there are no more sparrows. And I began to look up, try to find out why are there so... I mean, I don't see sparrows anymore. And the answer is because bigger birds have now come to roost. Once there are bigger birds, the sparrows disappear. And they go to a place where there are lesser, bigger birds. So if they are in your area, it simply means you don't have big birds. You still have sparrows. But when one sparrow falls to the ground, I mean, Jesus is looking. He, he is so caught up with nature. See, that's what I keep telling us. We need to understand that God looks at us as a complete person, not as a spiritual individual. He cares for us completely, spirit, soul, and body. Come on, amen? He wants to provide for every area of your life. He wants you to be spiritually well. He wants your soul to be joyful. He also wants your physical being to be looked after well. He will provide. I got upset the other time when one of the pastors told me, he said, you know, uh, one of the members said to him, the reason why you can still function is because I'm paying you. <laughs> and I said, you should not take that kind of thing. 
Because listen to me, I've taken this to my our church before. Even if the church does not pay me, God will know how to use the crows in my area to feed me. No, I'm serious. I have never from day one in the ministry been thinking about how much salary I'm going to get, how much money, whether the church is going to pay me, whether the church has money or no money. I'm not worried about that because I know that when I work for my boss, my boss knows how to pay me. Come on. It depends on who you're working for. The problem is many of us have our heaven in a bank instead of having our bank in heaven. Oi. One more time. You have, you have your heaven in your bank instead of having your bank in heaven. And as a result of which, you're drawing only Malaysian currency, which keeps depreciating. My currency does not depreciate. It doesn't matter where I am, whatever I'm doing, I know that my currency will always be high. You cannot beat the currency of heaven. God will continue to provide because He, he puts Himself as a God who is, of, a God who is, of, a God who is <laughs> the how much more God. He will provide. Come on, amen. Do not be anxious. Do not be afraid. Will I have a job tomorrow? Don't be afraid. God said, if a man does not work, he should not eat. Therefore, God will give you a job. And he'll give you a job so that you will be able to live well. Come on, church. Now, I'm just telling you how it should be. This word, this Bible is not a spiritual book. It's a very practical book with a practical God wanting to get involved in your life. And he's telling us that he is very generous. Listen, man, you don't have to twist his arm. When I pray, I do beg. I'm serious. When I pray, don't beg. Just speak the word. Good night, man. Jesus prayed until he sweat drops of blood. Prayer is a serious thing. Come on. But it is not begging in the sense that, you know, he does not want to give. It's begging so that I can know, God, let my life be right. Because the seed of the righteous will not beg bread. Come on, amen. There are times where we plead with God so that people can get saved. I plead for you so that you can get blessed by the Holy Spirit. I stand in the gap and I do pleading before the Lord. Stand in the gap and pleading before God. I do that. However, I don't come to God believing that he is so reluctant that I might twist his arm before he gives me something. I approach a God who is generous and desires to bless me above and beyond all that I could ever ask or imagine. Say amen. I like to talk about the generosity of the Lord. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit is already did not spare his own son, but gave up his son freely. Will he not also now give you the Holy Spirit? I mean, if God can give you heaven, almost every day now I'm praying, God, let your kingdom come. The riches of your kingdom and everything that has to do with your kingdom, let it come so that your people can enjoy kingdom life now. Hallelujah. I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, more abundantly. Last of all, he is good. Say amen. He is good. Oh, give thanks. Psalm 107 verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. All this is wrapped up in Jesus. See, when Jesus talking about generosity, they didn't have 
money, enough money to buy food for themselves, let alone feed 5,000 men besides women and children. Did that stop God? He does not need this money to feed the multitudes. He has the power to provide for multitudes. He fed 2 million people for 40 years in the wilderness. 40 years. Not one of them went out to plant crops, you know, raise animals. Nothing, man. God provided 40 years in the desert supplies. He made sure, the Bible talks about it, their shoes grew on their feet. Their clothes did not wear out for 40 years. If he can provide for them for 40 years, I'm sure he can provide for you too. Amen? Now we are all older. When I went for the minister's retreat, a lot of my pastor friends are all around my age. All sitting and talking about what are we going to do in the remaining years? Some are so afraid because in, in churches like this, there's no retirement plan. When it is over, the pastors get nothing. They just put out in the pasture. <laughs> so they're thinking, what shall we do? So many hold on to their jobs because that's their only income that they have. And the church is dying because they do not have, they are running out already and, and they know that they are running out. They cannot minister like they used to minister before. Many of them are sick in their body. Many of them are weak and so they cannot minister anymore. And so they are very anxious about the future. And I keep saying to them again and again, listen man, if he could take care of two million people for 40 years, the remaining years that you have, how many years do you have? Well, I don't know, maybe five years. I'm sure five more years he's able to do it. <laughs> You know, how many years do I have? I don't know. But whatever years I have, he is able to provide. Pastors, we should not be afraid. We who teach the people that our God is the provider, he will provide and he will be very generous with us. If I need strength, I have to say, Lord, I really need strength. Be generous with your strength. If I need wisdom, God, be generous with your wisdom. James chapter 1 talks about if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God and God will give generously. Whatever I need, man, I can come and I have a generous God. A generous God. Hallelujah. He is good and his steadfast love endures for how long? Psalm 107 verse 1. For the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Psalm 145 verse 9. God is good to one, come on, and all. Everything he does is soaked, soaked through with grace. It's the grace that brings the goodness of God to our lives. Psalm, uh, Psalm 84 verse 11. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk Uprightly. My responsibility is to walk right with God. God's responsibility is to shower me with goodness and mercy. Can I hear an amen? amen? My responsibility is to walk right with Him. Walk right with Him. I was talking, you know, talking to the Lord about, Lord, please help me. 
so that I will not grieve the Holy Spirit. I don't want to grieve you in any way. And we were going down, there was a big, you know, pastors all we getting together, starting to talk. Some talk about the problems, some talk about difficulties, some talk about their joys, their sorrows. And we were talking about, before I went in, I said to the Lord, just, just before I entered, I, I said to the Lord, Lord, please help me not to grieve you when I, when I enter, when I get into a conversation. And almost immediately, I hear this scripture, which I've not even thought about for, for years. I never even thought about the scripture. Never even read it for quite a long time. And the scripture was, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God. And I knew that the Lord wants to help me so that I can walk right with him. He wants me to walk right. Why? Because he desires so much to bless me. But there are so many things that sometimes hinder the blessing of the Lord. So it is with this young man who comes to the Lord in Mark chapter 10, 17 and 18. As Jesus was going out, it says, one came running and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. Here is this young man who desires so much to, to have the kind of life Jesus seemed to be ministering uh, about. They, he wanted it so badly, he ran. when he. It, it's like, if I don't get Jesus now, I'm not going to get him. So he ran. Young man, successful lawyer. That's who he was. Very successful, rich, young ruler, the Bible calls him. And he runs and comes and he's so eager, he recognizes that Jesus, the carpenter of Nazareth, is bigger than he really is. So he falls at his feet. And he comes up with a very sincere question. Lord, I want this eternal life, the God kind of life. I have a wonderful life in terms of success, in terms of accumulation of wealth, in terms of being well-known among the people. I've got fame and fortune, Lord. But life must be more than this. And I want this life. And you are a good teacher. And Jesus says, why do you call me good? Unless you recognize the God in me. And the young man stays there for a while and Jesus says to this one thing. Young man, you lack one thing. That's what he says, all right? This is what Jesus said in verse 21. Jesus, listen, this good God, this good teacher looking at this young man, his heart goes out to him. This is one of the only scriptures where it says directly that Jesus loved him. He saw tremendous potential in this young man. He saw another apostle in this young man. He was brilliant. For a person so young to become a ruler, he was a brilliant young fellow. Tremendous potential. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said something that upset him. One thing you lack. And he says in the following word, verse 22, but he was sad at this word and went away exceedingly sorrowful because he had great possessions. You lack, he had. Sometimes 
What we have creates the lack. Because I am not poor in spirit, therefore I cannot be rich in the things that God wants me to have. So Jesus concludes by saying how difficult it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. He's not against the rich. He's just saying you are so rich and possessed by your riches that there's no room. You don't lack an appetite for God. You don't lack an appetite to receive the things of God. There is no room in your heart. Young man, there is an emptiness inside of you. You think you have it all, but yet at the same time, I'm saying to you, it has created your possessions, have created a lack in your life for what I want to give you. So God wants to be gracious to us. He wants to be generous to us. He wants to be good to us. But are we so full of just about everything that there is no room in the inn? Just no room. I'm so crowded inside. So this morning I pray that God would, you know, somehow create a lack inside of us. That we will say, Lord, I lack your presence. I lack your peace. I lack your joy. I lack the things that you want to bless me with. I lack that. I've got everything else. Listen, if you work hard enough, you will be rich. You work hard enough, you study hard enough, you will do well in your exams. You don't need God for that. You don't need God because you can do it on your own. But then it will create a lack inside of you where you will not need Him. And your prayer, you can, you can know, right? I'm going to say this. You can know whether you're reaching out to God by the amount of time you spend praying. Do you pray? Do you read the Word to find wisdom from the Lord? If I do not do these things... I have got everything, but there is a lack in my life. And you know, the sad thing about it was Jesus did not compromise. He didn't say, never mind, la, never mind. Don't have to sell all you have. Just, just give up a little. There's no such thing as giving up a little. It either possesses you, <laughs> all right, or it does not. And I pray to God that God will open our hearts and create a hunger inside of us so that we will be able to reach out and receive more of what he wants to give us. Say amen. Stand with me as we look to the Lord in prayer.